0: C.L. Whiteside is in the building. That's me. And you are listening to the Non-Microwave Truth. Our first world problem today, this is especially for single people. I'm talking about relationship status. Our first world problem question today is this. Is it a sin to have a preference? And you're like, what do you mean a preference? I'm talking about a preference based off of race. I know some women are like, I only date tall, dark and handsome. Yeah, baby. I know some men are like I want them to be thick. Thick means having it in the right places, just in case you didn't know. And then some are like pretty face, slim in the waist, keep it fit. Yeah. But yeah, is it a is it a sin? And I get you can answer this question too if you are married or not or in a relationship, but is it a sin to have a preference based off a of race? And I'm going to be transparent. And, and real with you today, and I definitely think that every single race has someone that is beautiful in it. So no matter the race, you can find a, a, a woman or a man or whatever that somebody could be attracted to, I believe. But what do you think about that? Is it a sin to have a preference? Now, this is how I ranked it, and I'm going to keep it real with you. First of, co- first of all, I was like, all right, she had to be Christian. But then I did have a preference or an or order. Um, number one would have been black. That's what I just happened to be attracted to most. The next would have been like mixed or Hispanic. Those two could be switched or intertwined. And then it probably was everything else. And you might be like, why? And Captain Obvious It's differences between men and women. We all know that, right? But breaking news, there are cultural differences between people as well. And I just looked at it like I want somebody that I could take to the hood, to the suburbs, to the country, like anywhere. And I definitely just thought like, man, it would be nice to come home and not have to explain different cultural things to somebody who just kind of get it. And like I said, that's just what I happen to be most attracted to when God was able to bless me with a black queen. But if you are married, did you ever think about that or did you ever give that thought? And if you're single, do you have a preference like that? Or have you ever thought about this? Like, what's your thought process behind it? And we got to go way back. Um, States years ago had laws about marrying a different race. And some people even try to point to Deuteronomy 7, verse 3, which says, do not intermarry with them. This is God talking to the Israelites. He says, do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. And it lists a whole bunch of different different, um, cultures or, or races or tribes, I should say. It was like the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites the Jebusites, and people tried to use this as a passage to be like, God doesn't want you to date outside your race, and it's like, this is more so saying don't date outside of your faith, because it's major, major danger with it, and the reason God was telling the people this was because of their faith, to keep their faith safe, so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with dating someone of a different race, and in fact, I think it's actually beautiful when you actually can do that and you celebrate the differences. And, and merging two cultures can be absolutely just amazing. And a side note to that, too. I think it's super unfair how some people catch the wrath because they dated or married outside of their race and people turn their back on them. Some family members are like, mm-mm, you can't do it. You can't bring her here. Or, nope, you better not bring him here. And and the biggest thing that people should be just be thinking about and promoting with is, the love, and can you grow together in Christ with this person? And I think that's often overlooked. But I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. Do you have a preference? Do you think it's okay to have a preference? Do you see it being a sin to have a preference that's based off of race? Like, would you call someone racist if they were saying they weren't attracted to someone who's black or Hispanic? Or, ooh, what about if they said they weren't even attracted to their own race? that would that would that person probably would catch some major backlash but what do you think about that is that wrong do you think it's a problem with that is it a sin I think it's only a problem if you start spewing hate but let me know what you think and if you have some biblical support that would be even better and this is our first word problem it is dinner time We're gonna continue to look at some social issues focused more so on Black History Month in honor of Black History Month, I should say. And some questions I just want you to think about, like how, how would you answer this? Will racism ever end? What do you say to that? Will sexism ever end? What about ableism? And if you like, what what is that? That's a discrimination in favor of able-bodied people. So making fun of people who have a disability. Or what about colorism? I know some different races, ethnicities, cultures deal with that. Like the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice ain't always the case. In fact, the blacker you are, the more likely you are to get in some mess. So they say, or they believe. We have all these different isms. Racism, ageism, colorism, sexism. Will they ever end? Now, some principle who deals with discipline has a number of different conversations with people in, in different groups, period. I will hear parents say, especially when their child is involved and another child is involved, they will say, they were taught that at home. And in most cases, I don't think that's necessarily true. And that point or that idea brings us to the title of our episode today. The title of this episode is Racism Doesn't Need to be Taught. And I look at it like, some things just don't need to or have to be taught in order for people to fall guilty to it. I think we forget at times that it's this thing called sin. And sin, it infects each and every one of us. Like, you think about it like this. You don't have to be taught how to lie. You don't have to be taught how to hide or cover up sins. You don't need to be taught to lust. You don't need to be taught to be envious of someone or how to be jealous. Like you don't remember some of the stuff you did and your parents told you not to do. And that's part of the reason why parents and families and, and friends, they want to defend certain people to a fault because they don't want people to think I taught them that or that I'm a bad parent or I'm a bad friend or, or whatever. But we just got to remember bad stuff doesn't need to be taught. You know what needs to be taught is the good stuff. You have to be taught and reminded the good stuff the time and i'm definitely not saying that it's never taught or that it's never even modeled but i think a lot of times we give too much credit to that and we don't give enough credit to the fact that we are infected with sin all of us there's something inside all of us that is evil and on this episode of racism doesn't need to be taught i want to look at the story of, of cain and abel and the reason being Adam and Eve, the first people on earth, I could almost bet that they didn't teach Cain to be jealous, to be prideful, to just be salty. And in fact, Cain being the first child, the first person born ever on the earth, Adam and Eve probably were super excited. And they probably were thinking this would be great. They might have even thought that he could have been the Messiah, the person that God promised to redeem the whole world. And I would guess Adam and Eve taught Cain some really good stuff. But sometimes I just look at this and I say, maybe the expectations for Cain, they cause Cain to be entitled. When we read this, I just want you to look at how entitled, how bratty, how selfish Cain is. This comes from Genesis chapter 4. It says, now Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. These are two brothers. These are both same mama and daddy, Adam and Eve. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. He brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain, and his offering, he did not look with favor. And I always wonder with this, how did God show his approval for Abel's, but he showed his disapproval for Cain? That, That had to be a first word problem one day. But continue reading. It says, so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Like, look at this. Cain just seems so entitled. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, what I have to point out right here is who we think we are can't matter more than who we actually are. Like, what we think we need or deserve can't be greater than what we actually need or deserve. Because if that's the case, you got a problem. This was Cain's problem. Cain was not secure in who he was. He wanted to elevate himself. He wasn't secure enough to see his brother's offering be accepted and his brother be good. I say that with air quotes in a sense. Just the way he talks to God and kind of addresses this, it's kind of like he feels he's better than what he is. He kind of looks at God like, bro, you bother me. Like, leave me alone. He seems pretty selfish. He seems pretty entitled. He seems pretty envious and jealous. And you say, like, why does he seem jealous? Let me keep reading. Now, Cain said to his brother, Abel, hey, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. A couple of things I want to point out. God warned and told Cain, don't be so prideful. Don't be so prideful. And try to justify this sin. Just do right. Like, let it go. Move on. Because if you don't, it's going to devour you. And this is what it did. He tried to justify and make his sin right his way versus God's way. And on this episode of Racism Doesn't Need to be Taught, I know that it can become a super big time struggle when you do right and you start thinking like, I don't want to end up like Abel. Like, I refuse to be Abel. You aren't going to talk to me crazy. You're not going to disrespect me. And two points go along with this. One, I want to point out that everything tells us or points to the fact that Abel is in heaven. And two, taking on the identity of Cain, that will cause you to be just like him, who ended up being a wanderer, a bratty victim, a child whose soul is in great danger of being lost. Sin literally destroyed Cain, and sin still can destroy us. Now, let's look at how Cain responded. The Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Then the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Like what? He, he said, my punishment is more than I can bear. and He just killed somebody. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, do you really think Adam and Eve were like, hey, Cain, baby, I'm going to teach you how to kill your brother Abel. Like, no, everything about that sounds absolutely crazy. But it was something that he figured out. That pride, that envy, that jealousy, that that hatred, that didn't have to be taught at all. It was in him. And you know what's scary? It's inside all of us. And that's why we have to be so deliberate and we have to be so intentional In loving, in in showing compassion, in humbling ourselves. And when you look at our American culture, it is so easy to have this or allow this to be a place that is segregated, that is divisive, that is untrustworthy, don't trust anybody. Now, I wouldn't say that our culture teaches that. And I'm going to use a little wordplay because I feel like teaching is when you know the objective. I would use the word promotes. Our culture promotes this. And I say that because it's like that sneaky, um, convincing you to want it or to act on it. And it might not be flat out taught, but our culture promotes us to be what's already inside of us. And when I look at like the isms, like racism, sexism, it starts with selfishness. You know what frat I'm in? Did I ever tell you all this? Me fi me. That's what our sinful nature desires and wants. Some of us show great symptoms of this, too, because we will step on anybody to get what we want and to look good. We'll do anything to protect our image or at least the image that puts us on the top or makes us look better than someone else. And I was just thinking about with the isms, one of the big things that we will identify with just as much, if not more than looks, which is still huge, is we will identify with people who want to sin just like us. And just thinking about this, like, why is it so easy to be prejudiced or, or racist? And we all have this in us, too, but some it's a lot more obvious and symptomatic. And I think there are three big time motivators with this. The first one is, is a fear. You don't necessarily want to give up any power. So instead of giving up that power, you do anything to have it because you feel like you'll be forgotten. And difference starts to look like wrong to you. And you know what you fear the most? You know what we fear the most? We fear that we are not enough. The second big motivator is, I've already said this before, is selfishness. And that's just wanting to be unique and better, even if it means putting someone else down. You don't have the ability to forgive. You want a particular way of life. And you'll do that at any cost. The third one is hopelessness. And that's when you just see people for the flat out negative. And you're like, I'm not giving you the benefit of doubt. You want to strive and control too much because you don't think they're capable. And it's not seeing them as a person with a soul who needs love and needs to know God's grace and mercy. You see them as like a a thing, just another, yeah, another thing. And the only way to counter this or to get this moving in the right direction is to know who you are and to be secure in who you are. I am a short, bald, buff, black man, so does that mean I gotta hate and be sick of all tall people, or all people with a head full of hair, or every white person, or every woman? Like, no. I mean, I can be secure in who I am, because I know who I am in Christ, and I don't have to be afraid to to give more. Now, I ask those questions about racism, sexism, all the isms, period. And I don't think ever or completely it will stop until Christ comes back. Now, the whole key with this is you want to, I want to. That's the reason you got to be listening to this podcast. You want to be the solution and not the problem. And here's how to do it. First one is no one admits you're infected with sin because there most likely will be a time where you will be violating or participating in an ism. Number two. Understand and constantly identify the microwave truths that permeate throughout our culture. Our culture promotes selfishness. Our culture promotes you should be afraid. There's always something to be afraid of. It promotes don't trust anybody. It promotes don't trust God for sure. It definitely teaches you, A, get them before they get you. And the third one is this, be secure. Be secure in who you are because just looking at our culture will have you terrified to treat someone else like a brother or sister because what lie will you listen to? When Cain asked God, am I my brother's keeper? Right there. You knew he didn't identify with Abel in the right way. He saw Abel as the enemy, someone to compete against, someone who was making him less valuable, someone he felt was taking up too much of God's love, someone he was angry God was loving. He didn't see... He didn't see Abel as his brother. And isn't that the same issue that a lot of us deal with today? I think so. And this is the last thought that I want to leave you with today. And that's when you have things like racism that are are present in our culture, any of the type of isms that are in your life, and especially when it's causing you to be attacked, like it's causing you harm. Don't let the behaviors inside you that are dormant, meaning don't let the behaviors that are inside of you and not really present come alive and you match that negative energy. That's the most remarkable thing about Jesus, because Jesus knew the energy that was out there and he didn't duck it. He didn't run. Instead, he loved, he sacrificed, he suffered. Cain, Cain was not secure in who he was. And a lot of times, that's why we lash out and do the things that we do, because we aren't secure in who we are. People that suffer from spreading the ism, they are not comfortable or secure in who they are. Be secure in who you are through Christ, though. Because a lot of people can say they are secure in who they are, but they're saying they're secure in their sin. This is who I am. Love it or like it. They got the mentality of, I'll step on my grandma if it means I'll get to the top. I'll do whatever it takes to get my way. But I wanted, want you to think about this passage from Romans 12, verse 2. It says do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We all need renewing of our minds each and every day, because then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We should always be testing and asking for God's approval for the things that we desire and the things that we want, because it is all about his will. And I think that passage just points that out so beautifully. And we just got to realize that racism doesn't need to be taught. Hate doesn't need to be taught. Sin doesn't need to be taught. But to keep us from spreading it, love does need to rule. And security does need to be found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Racism Doesn't Need to Be Taught. Be ready for next week. The title of that is Be Careful What You Call It. We're going to keep looking at some more social issues and just talk about the effect of our culture being so quick to give labels and titles to things and people to a fault. Peace, punch, Captain Crunch, say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.